What's going on? Welcome to the Ask LFC Podcast. It's good to be with you guys today. My name is Harris Gilney. I'm the Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest in Huntersville with... Mike Moses, lead pastor at Lake Forest Church, Huntersville. And you you just surprised me with new music yeah, intro. Yeah, man. That sounds like there better be something weighty and perhaps like impending yeah. on that. That's my favorite music yet. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's where we're... we're, we're we're moving up. We're very important now. There's no more joking around uh, allowed on the podcast. <laughs> that sounds serious. No more, uh, no more pop culture references. Or we're getting right to it. It's did, time did to you, get serious. Did you mix that up late at night, DJ Harrison? <laughs> yeah. HG. Yeah. Totally. That's an original uh, creation. That's super cool thing. <laughs> that's my. Hey, on today's podcast, uh, for reasons that will become obvious, we're going to highlight why do we. Plant, why are we a church planting church? A very small minority of churches are that as their identity. I'll tell you the percent. Why is, are we doing that? How are we doing it? Um, what's the, the mechanism? Just give you an, and a couple of updates that most people probably didn't notice happened. But first, here at Lake Forest Huntersville, we have, I'm so excited about March. Yeah, man, we're coming up a month away. Well, you know, it's kind of it's kind of cool, just a little a little behind the scenes look and what we're about to say after this is part of it, but something that we've been thinking a lot about around here, uh, we've probably mentioned it before in the podcast over this last month is just like as a staff team, man, how do we continue to just keep people uh, connected, growing, plugging in all the things that we like engaged to see people do a word today. It, if, if you're engaged, you're, you're moving in, uh, you're moving with, our mission, yeah. Because we know over the past couple of years has been the most unique season in a lot of areas of life, but but uh, the relationship of, of people and attending and being a part, being a, a, a member of a church community over the past couple of years mm-hmm. with COVID has just changed. It's just mm-hmm. rhythms have changed, things have changed. So we're looking at it and going, man, we want to make sure we're giving people opportunities to stay engaged here in the life what's or, happening or in many ways re-engage and this is where it's helpful that we're an elder-led church Harrison it was really the elders last fall who charged me uh to charge the staff with hey we're, we're just forecasting and the world may change again but we think that we'd like for our, to see our staff have plans for um uh lots of engagement toward the end of discipleship and evangelism, but lots of engagement this spring. And so we have loaded a lot of that into March, and it uh, appears that in God's great sovereignty, the Omicron version of COVID-19 is going to decrease right as we up our opportunities for engagement in March. But why don't you just talk about one? Yeah, the big thing that we're excited about that's happening here uh, in the worship center on Sunday mornings is uh, we are bringing back Hope in House of Blues, which uh, there are those of you listening to this that that will light up a big light bulb with all kinds of connotations in your brain and you'll get what I'm talking about and you'll be excited. And there are those of you who are like, okay, what is that? For you, every every two years, every three years, we do this massive, uh, well, we think of it as massive uh, focus series that is... Um, it's a mashup is the best way that I can describe it. It's a mashup of 
uh, a blues text from the Bible, because the Bible talks about our blues all over. With the blues in our world today and in our lives, and how do we put those together, it's also a mashup of the blues, and we find national-level blues, gospel, R&B artists, because the blues are worship songs, except for some of the ones that are mostly about drinking and women. Uh, Even those... (laughs) If you just, they can be really a prayer on the front end. That's right. And then we mash that up with art, and we mash it up with an odd liturgy that we make up every time to make it something super unique. And people invite their friends from all around. Uh, We never have enough, we usually, I'm not sure if we'll have enough space on Sunday mornings if we have to add a service or something. We'll see. We may one of those weeks. Um, But you, you'll see what it is, but it's this mashup thing. That, that's the best I can describe it. Yeah, it's really about just giving a voice. Not It's it's kind of two sides. It's number one, giving a voice to the to the lament and, and acknowledging, man, we've been in a crappy place for a while, but you know what? Uh, there, Even if we're living in this house of blues right now, there, there are ways that we can find and experience true and meaningful and real hope. Uh, even while we're living in the blue shack. We have artists uh, working on a large public art installation that all of us will have the opportunity to participate in over the four Sundays of March. Uh, That's a way that we express our lament and invite God into it is expressing ourselves artistically. We'll do this, of course, musically. We will have a congregational Missio Dei engagement because we can't just say, Lord, meet us in our blues without reflexively yeah but the the base uh uh revelation of god is i have blessed you to be a blessing so we will have a congregational missio day project uh to come alongside others in the blues it's it's gonna be pretty all-encompassing there's gonna be a youth ministry tie-in uh, at remix on sunday nights a children's ministry special focus on Wednesday evenings. All that's coming. Tell us about the first art. You just booked an art. Your end of it is booking the artist yep, yep. and then leading worship. Tell us about our first artist on March 6th. That's right. We're really excited about uh, this guy. His name is Tad Walters. He has been a North Carolina blues circuit guy for like 25 years. He's just really, he's a blues okay. pro. That's what he does. Huh. He, he, I know uh, I listened to a little of his music. I didn't. Yeah, oh, this is good to hear. No, I'm excited, and he uh, had a chance to talk with him last week. He's excited to come. So hang he's a hyper local blues man. Oh yeah, okay. he's 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 a uh, he's just a professional blues dude that most given Friday or Saturdays somewhere here on the East Coast he's playing somewhere and uh, jamming out to some blues. He's a super talented guy. Is he's, he a guitarist? He's a guitarist. He plays some harmonica. I'm not sure what he's going to bring. When he comes, uh, I know at least on on one song, uh, what's cool with a few of these, we're we're finalizing the lineup of who's coming, but uh, I know for sure with Tad, I know for sure with our final artist, and uh, possibly with some in the middle, we even have an opportunity to have the artist come and uh, use our band as a backing band, and they can jump in with us, and we do kind of this uh, mishmash of playing their music. So uh, as we've done this in the past, it's just been... A ton of fun. We We're can't a wait. pretty large venue, and when you, we double the worship service, this is a pretty a large opportunity for some of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our artists uh, does venues of this size, but um, we ought to mention to them that this is an opportunity for them to capture a video that they may want to use for the future because we have such 
state-of-the-art equipment. Um, you just might mention that to Tad and, and these other artists. Oh, yeah, we, for sure. In yeah. the Oh, yeah, in the past, uh, we definitely had artists that, that – the our our audio and video quality especially now over the past yeah couple years of living in online church days you know we've uh we've our team does such a great job here um of and as a side note this has nothing to do with anybody but it's a shout out of how cool our church is is that um when you see what happens here on Sundays and you look up on the screens and see these cameras and how things are being put together either in the room or online um a cheat code that our uh, okay. Tech team leader Dustin Harward has unlocked over the past couple of years okay. is realizing, hey, um, on Sunday mornings, we have a lot of middle and high school age kids that are just hanging around that are super technologically yeah. savvy that would love to serve somewhere. A huge chunk of our tech team on mm-hmm. Sundays are made up of ministry partner middle and I high schoolers. It. Kids graduate out of yeah. our foundations class. And as six, we have some kids as young as sixth grade that are here on cameras, and they do a phenomenal yeah, they job. They really do. They have a they have a more uh, an eye attuned to the moment than adults my age for sure. Uh, so yeah, cool. I, this is the first time I've thought about that, Harrison. We have particularly when you add our video capacity, uh, any of these artists would have to pay a lot of money to rent that equipment and rent operators if they wanted to record a session. Oh, yeah in any of the venues so anyway that's pretty cool so hey that's coming uh tad is the first artist but let's talk about church planting i got a question for you mike yes sir you just preached a lot of sundays in a row here lake forest huntersville as as happens sometimes it gets put together we have a team of people to teach but as it so happened mike's been here for a while up until uh, a couple days ago this last sunday mike you didn't preach on sunday what did you do on (laughs) sunday morning (laughs) I I did what I call my own personal joy tour. I was able to squeeze in two of our local church plants in the family of churches. So I went, I slept in, I slept, dude, when I became an empty nester and I didn't have high schoolers leaving the house at 6.15 in the morning, mm-hmm. I recaptured my ability to sleep in when I choose to. I slept till 8.45 Sunday morning. Woo! I did it on purpose. Like, this is a Sunday. Doggone it. I Like, that was massive. I put on a hat, and I went incognito to Westlake, where our church in Denver, our precious sister church, um, opened in their first building back in August, but I had not been there for a worship service yet. So I arrived intentionally late, um, walked in with my ball cap on, all jacketed up. Nobody recognized me coming in. I sat in the back row. And just luxuriated in a—it was a full room, hmm. completely full room for their 930 service. Um, I, I hope they have plans for expansion already. Um, and beautiful worship. Their worship team—gosh, I'm just pr- I, I'm just admiring of what God's doing in their midst. They're a little distinct from us. Yeah. And then they had this really beautiful— a congregational moment where Bob, their assistant pastor, and Beverly, their children's ministry leader, they invited up anybody in the congregation sitting there who was in leadership of any kind in children's ministry, community groups, men's, women's, uh, remix. And, like, the stage was just full of all these people serving and leading. 
I just had this sense of this is a congregation with momentum, and the congregation itself is leading and discipling others. Beautiful picture of our ideal pathway of discipleship. So I got joy from that. I wasn't there long enough, however, to cry. Um, I didn't get emotional <sighs> because I skeezed in there late, so and close. I was trying to stay incognito. Yeah. And, and then I had to leave pretty quickly. Uh, so I came back. I picked up Angie Moses, and we went to the Keith Family YMCA off Harris Boulevard in the university area, and we skeezed in a little late on purpose, except that didn't work because Pastor Terrell was out in the hall. Uh, I was hoping he might not even see me. I didn't want him to feel weird that I was there. On an, I decided not to tell him I was coming because I also wasn't sure. Um, but we got there a little late again. Their room was packed, Harrison. I haven't, we haven't had a chance to catch up. I had to be led around the back to the side on the left-hand second row uh, to get two seats for Angie wow. and I, which made me happy. And check this out. You know who I walked past on my way in was the current lead teaching pastor at Forest Hill Church. Uh, he was there because he's a mentor to Terrell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Terrell was on staff at Forest Hill, right. our, our, originally our mother church, now a friend church. That we partner with, uh, he was there. He had a Sunday off as well. It That's was so, so cool. great. And Jason is like eight feet tall, so uh, you couldn't miss him. So we gave ourselves the bro hug, uh, and I met his family afterward. And he got to meet Angie. But um, it was delightful. I won't describe the service, uh, but it, it was so like forest uh, in our DNA, and yet so uh, uh, clearly its own. Uh, special sauce under who Terrell is and who the leadership team that God's brought around them. It was mm. beautifully uh, multi-ethnic, and when I say that, I mean mostly white and black. That was beautiful. The worship style was sort of Lake Forest, but definitely U City. It, yeah. it it had it was different. Key, keyboard keys leading it, and under Terrell's leadership, a lot of moments they did some stand and greet. So anyway, it was really beautiful. Um, his sermon included two or three insights that made me wish I'd ha- I had brought my notebook hmm. to write down. Um, one statement, I- I'm curious if you've ever heard this before. I had not, but I'm, I'm meditating on it. Um, uh, Jesus didn't just die for you. He died as you. Hmm. A unique way to emphasize the, the substitutionary atonement of the cross, hmm. that he— he was in our place. I've never heard it expressed that way. Have you? No, I haven't, but I'm not surprised at all because as I've gotten to know Terrell, one of his strengths as a teacher and as a communicator, not only in what he does on Sundays, he, he does a, lo- a lot of different kinds of communication. Man, he's, he really is gifted at uh, boiling down concepts into like a real sticky... Um, yes. A, a sticky phrase something that just you're able to latch onto like yes. that so it's not surprising yes so um anyway i wasn't able to make it to el buen samaritano uh i couldn't make all three at once so i, I wanted to see the newest one because i have snuck in the back with el buen yeah. before i did that in their first year right before the pandemic shut down <coughs> and i didn't understand a word that was yeah. said. <laughs> well so it was a little less edifying to me yeah it's a, that one's a little less for you so that yeah, and that's yes, fine yes, so which yes. which actually leads me to a, a question mike that might help get this ball rolling we talked about this a little on the podcast before so if you want to give me the the one minute answer of this if this is possible as a question of something you're passionate about it may not be but why uh 
why do you feel like God has led Lake Forest, led you, our team of elders, uh, to why does why does Westlake U City El Buen Samaritano exist instead of us having a a mega two thousand seat room and we just try and get everyone in the greater Charlotte our circle around us to just right. come right here and hang with us why is why have we done it the way we've done it in the year two thousand ten we decided to change the math of church success we we would never not consider it success to reach one more person at a time here on our campus so we. We, we will keep trying to make more room. However, we decided, no, we're not going to build the two, 3,000-person venue. We, we were on a trajectory to do that. We changed the math for two reasons. First reason is the combination of God's Word and the way God has worked for 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. When Jesus said, uh, uh, um, go, make disciples, teach everyone, all that I've taught you and baptize. That, um, just to succinctly quote Tim Keller, is a commission to plant churches. What did the disciples do? They heard Jesus. What did they, what did they understand was his intent? Well, the book of Acts shows us very clearly. Everywhere they went, they made disciples who, when they were gathered, were called the church. Uh, so in uh, one of Paul's missionary journeys, he and Barnabas, it says they went out and they went to each of these towns and it'll say they made disciples. And it says then they went back strengthening the churches everywhere they had been. Do you, so do you hear the equation there? Super clear. So the original disciples who heard the Great Commission understood it. And because it involved baptizing, that's, an, that's a sacrament for the church. It's not something that random people go and do uh, on a campaign or with you, that's an ordinance of the church. So, number one, that's what God's word is clear about. Number two, for 2,000 years, the spread of the gospel, yes. Every time one of us invites an unchurched friend, and there were a lot of them here for an event over the weekend, um, here at Lake Forest, and they meet Jesus for the first time, that's a movement forward of God's kingdom. However, the, the more historically significant movement of the kingdom has been starting a new church from one village to the next, one people group across the river to the next, one geographical area to the next, one continent to the next, of starting a new church. Not just the proclamation of the gospel where people hear something at an event and get all fired up and then go about their business. Yep. It's enfolding into a disciple-making body of believers that's worshiping God edifying the saints, and spreading the gospel on the mission of Jesus. That is how the gospel has progressed for 2,000 years to the point where over 2 billion people (laughs) um, are are in some form of a claim of Christianity today. It's the majority religion of the world. Um, And I I may be off by a billion there, maybe three. Um, (laughs) I I haven't... uh, So... You put those two, that's, that's what Jesus said. His original people show us what they understood his intent to be, and it's what God has used it. So then, and this isn't a one-minute answer, you were right. That's fine. And then we looked at us, and we're now a 12-year-old church in 2010. And, and we, were, we were revisioning, Harrison. We kind of like, well, hey, we got a lot of people in here. We're a church. Check it out. And we sort of started wandering around vision-wise, like, 
what is the next thing? Because the next thing had always been clear for us to get more established and and become even more of a disciple making church. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we were in a building and we had that, and we actually got a little disunity, disunified, and and a bit uh, a bit of uh, church wide, staff wide, elder wide ennui. Like it had always been clear what our target was, and then we sort of had that. So we sought the Lord for Fresh Vision for an entire year, and the number one decision we made, we did make a decision to add the balcony here mm-hmm. to make more room in our Jerusalem because Jesus said that too. That's right. <laughs> yep. Um, but more importantly, in that season, we said we're called to become a church planning church. And, and and that was another thing that each of us is called to do personally. Remember, Jesus gives the parable of the talents, and he's like, dude, Harrison, I gave you a couple of talents that are different from most people. You better not bury those. You better use yep. them yep. Uh, to, to make more for the kingdom. And you're doing that in your own way. I am too. And probably all of you listening, you can identify. with you. You're familiar enough with Jesus' parable of the talents, and you're familiar enough with yourself. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm deploying my leadership or my... Uh, uh, we just have a, a ministry partner who's a CPA who's deploying his talent onto the board of the learning tree to help us mm. get more on point uh, financially there. Um, but as a church, collectively, like, wait, we are a church plant, number one. Number two, I'm a church planter, and, and by that point in time, I'm considered a bit of a— and I had, number three, we had already p- co-planted churches with Forest Hill— Number four, I had been trained, and now I'm an experienced church planter coach. And by that point, 2010, I had coached, I don't know how many, 15 or 20 church planting pastors of various denominations, various types of churches, not just one kind. So these are all talents that we have, and then we have all we have such generous people at Lake Forest, and, and we serve a relatively affluent population. What are we supposed to do with that money that's coming in here? Um we put all that together and realized, oh, and here's this other statistic, which I know because I am Dr. Professor Moses who teaches church planning at the grad school level. Um, what percent of North American churches, Harrison, would you guesstimate uh, ever plant a single daughter church in their existence? Hmm. Uh, how about, I don't know, 50%. Four. Four percent. Four. That statistic is 10 years old, and church planting has been emphasized more in in many denominations since then. It's probably a little higher. Yeah. But that is a real statistic. According to Ed Stetzer, the Billy Graham uh, Center for Evangelism at Wheaton College, um, you know what that means? That the North American church is sterile. It's impotent. Hmm. That's ridiculous. And and by the way, in about the year 1900, it was about it. We don't know the exact percent, but it was somewhere between 30 and 50 percent of North American churches had planted one daughter. So this changed the 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 fire of the spread of the gospel through church planting waned in the mid 20th century, and it was mostly tall steeple mainline churches like, hey, check us out. We're on the corner of Main Street and Trade Street, and we're a big, tall steeple, and we've still got some pews space. So so they block. This is I'm, – I'm 
I'm summarizing a lot here. They, uh, this, this actually happened, and I can direct you to a paper about this online. If you want to look up a, a, a five-page white paper by Tim Keller on why plant churches, just Google that. It's a free PDF. Uh, but there's a historical appendix, a, appendix about the history of church multiplication relating to the percent of church population in America. And, and when we plant churches at a rapid rate, the percent of the population saying, I'm a Christian, goes up. And when we stop planting churches, it goes down. That's, the, that's a fact. And, and the dynamic that happened in the mid-20th century is tall steeple churches in the denominations set blocked new churches being planted in their vicinity. Mm. Um, so we're correcting that. <laughs> um, so, okay, guess how many? So only 4% of North American churches plant a church. And we had already co-partnered in planting three or four. So we're like, yes. hey, our talent as a church we're a bit more fruitful in that area of ministry, right? Uh, not every church has the experience, has, has me as a pastor who knows how to do this and can coach others, and others seek me out for coaching. But now, guess what percent of North American churches ever plant more than one? More than one. All right, so it's my math tells me it's less than four. It's less than four. <laughs> good. Good job, musician, artist thank guy. Thank you. Thank you. Uh uh, one is it was one. it one it's one percent yeah it's one it Man. might be a little less i can't remember i, I need, yeah uh, it'll be in my lecture slides next month um so all that to say let's not hate on other churches because that is growing by the way yeah um it one of the reasons why <laughs> by the way after we made this decision to become a church planning let's deploy our what Jesus said what the apostles understood his intent to be, so what they went and did, and what ha the Holy Spirit has used to spread the gospel to now billions of people for 2,000 years. The unique talents of Lake Forest Church <laughs> and the unique resourcing ability of this church. Let's take all, and the his, the, that sad, sorry fact of not many churches have this talent or this calling or, or they say yes to it. Um, and that's our talent, and that's what we're going to do. And that's what we decided as elders, and we said it's going to cost us a lot of money, and it's a change of the scorecard. Instead of just let's become the mega mega ourselves, let's start new churches, and we're not going to therefore be the church that everybody's asking me to write a book or whatever because there's multiple gobs of thousands. But this is what God has called us to do, and so it's what we've done, and it's beautiful, man. And what I, what I really like... Uh, Mike about the way and it's it's so much it's even more clear now than it was five years ago with uh, with U City and El Buen Samaritano but I've I've been uh, a part of uh, you know I was I was in full-time ministry for six or seven years before coming to Lake Forest and you were such a baby when you came here, I know I know and um, I was in a context I've been in contexts in the past where uh, church people plants were kind of attempted but it was like a a 100% full clone every service every song every word of the message right. i mean as as identical as it could possibly be that was the roadmap let's make it we're, we know this formula works right. here this so big mac special sauce yeah, works so we're going to take that precisely the and same. we're going to put that exact thing everywhere and what i love about what uh what we've done and 
the 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 proof is in the pudding of how it's been successful yeah. here yeah. is that uh what has made uh, our our family of churches so successful is that they are we have shared vision and values uh we share a lot of things we share teaching series um that is immensely helpful to Terrell our teaching pastors and Aaron and Victor and I all shared manuscripts around on the anxiety sermon by yeah way. yeah so that is shared but other than that there there's so much of the how the implementation of how church happens uh what you want to call things how you want to yeah. do them how you're in, how you're engaging with your uh ministry partners how you, uh, all these things are so hyper local yeah. and it lets those local bodies build a local identity which is so healthy and strong you know what we call one more person at Lake Forest Huntersville just a small detail and at Westlake and at Lake Forest Davidson uh we call it one more person at El Buen Samaritano they call it plus one yeah. This is just a small example of localization. So uh, we, we, we changed the math of long-term Great Commission success to, ha- to multiple churches. We funded that. The congregation funded that. We had a giving campaign to fund building out our balcony, which increased our capacity here, uh, and starting the ministry that has now blossomed into El Buen Samaritano, starting a nonprofit ministry to serve the local Spanish-speaking population. But we that capital campaign included two hundred and twenty two hundred thirty thousand dollars to plant one church. I and the elders knew I was ready to commit us to planting churches forever. Uh, but but they made me say, let's just talk about one right now <laughs> and see see if God blesses that. And yep. and that was wise. That was wise. So every time in two thousand ten, when I said we're going to plant. We're going to make room for one more person here on our campus at Huntersville, and we're going to plant one more church. In my mind, I was saying, and another, and another, but I never said it out loud. Yeah. Uh, God bless that. That We used that funding and started Lake Forest Davidson, which today is a congregation of seven, 800. They're thriving. They've bought their own land. They're about to build their own building. And that does raise why haven't I mentioned them up till now, because a quiet thing happened in December. We had announced it a year before. But we released Lake Forest Davidson to become a standalone EPC church, and now we're friendly. They're, they are co-funding with us, by the way, uh, and with Westlake, with the family of churches. Lake Forest U City, we'll have future ministry together. We're very friendly. But when we started that first church, we were not yet a family of churches model. And so I, we always offered, Michael and that leadership team always had freedom to develop into their own thing and and at one in the last two years we all agreed as elders and pastors that's a wise thing for them to do and they're doing great stuff Uh, but now we've developed the family of churches model because our church planting has been so fruitful that's actually the reason why it wasn't because i'm so good at polity or anything that's the main reason why that the denomination asked me to be the the president some years back that the moderator is the presbyterian word but I was the president for several years of our denomination. Mostly, they wanted a an exemplary church planting church at the head of the denomination. Hmm. <laughs> that has borne some fruit. I mean, they had to coach me up big time how to lead these big old Presbyterian meetings with Robert's Rules of Order and <laughs> stuff. Right. I, I mangled that puppy <laughs> a number of times. But you get you push the button on me and get me to talk about church planting, and I get fired up like I did earlier. And that has actually seen fruit. I'm now a consultant to 
uh, the medium and larger sized churches in our denomination. I had a consulting call last Thursday with the highest resource church in our denomination. They just committed uh, $600,000, Harrison, to plant churches, mm. two to three. And uh, and I got the joy a- and using a talent because, and this is not just me, we've now become competent as a church at how to plant new churches. Aaron Gibson is trained as a church planning coach. Terrell and Victor, as their churches get more established, will do that. They will train people how to church, plant churches in their context. We have, uh, we're for our denomination, we, we are a site that hosts, right now, We've the last year we've had two full-time church planting residents in training to plant an EPC church. And at some point, if you remember a long-haired guy, a uh, big, tall, long-haired guy from Richmond preached here at Huntersville back in June. That's Drew. He's our church planting resident. And Harrison, that's flowering into a church that's going to be planted later this year called The Neighborhood. Mm, nice. Dude, I want to steal that name. Can yeah. we rename ourselves? Yeah, let's do it. That is done. killer. <laughs> and, and it's rooted in the, the Good Samaritan parable, by the way, of hmm. Jesus. Dude, that's just strong. Um, we get to do all these things. How, like, how beautiful is this? And Her- by the way, Aaron... And I and our and several of our elders, Jack, Kathy, Bill Hamill, Adam Dutka, another ministry partner, um, Andy Elliott. We are the current church multiplication team. So the elders appointed a team co-led by me and now Aaron and an elder. Jack Kathy is the elder chair, um, one of our founding elders. And this team is now skilled up at the competencies of how one large mother church can become a serial church planning church. So after Lake Forest Davidson was a success and a joy, the elders came back and decided this is a calling, this is a talent, we better not bury it. Mm-hmm. And so that was the year they made the decision that in addition to our mission giving, we wouldn't take away from that, 3% of all annual monies given to Lake Forest will go into a church multiplication fund. So now that we're a, one reason we stay together as a family of churches is that fund builds up much more quickly because we hang together and we're committed to this together. Our competency is greater as a collection of churches and pastors in different contexts. Now we have we can offer internships and residencies in all kinds of missional contexts, right? That's super cool too. So that's how we do it. And the fly I don't think we'll be I won't consider us at maximum velocity and uh, maximum capacity of what God I, of what our full talents are until we've reached a place where we're funding and sending out one daughter church per year. Right now, we're at the two to three year mark. We'll get there. Uh, and um, uh, we're also doing more in the early years. We used every dollar so that we could plant Lake Forest churches. We're now having dollars that we're sending out to partner churches. So the church in Richmond, where Drew, our church planning resident, is. Well, because of your giving, Lake Forest, we're all going to have a hand in that. We've committed to support them in their launch year mm. uh, with about $10,000, for example. Um, we are uh, th- we have other partner churches, too. So, Which is which is another really cool thing worth noting is you may know the, the stat off the top of your head. I wouldn't expect you to. But safe to say, Mike, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, at, at least a majority – of brand new church plants don't make it past three, four, five years. They they most new newly planted churches fail, and the 
the thing that's so cool about having, uh, in your words, mother churches uh, in whatever capacity, if it's bringing them into our family churches, if it's partnering with someone like Drew, um, when you approach it like that, the success rate of these churches actually being able to become that's right a healthy sustained church yes. is like skyrocket it's skyrocket so let me put on my doctor professor moses hat and and finish with this here are factors each of which is proven by research to increase the survival rate productivity and growth of a new church plant versus those that fail each of these is a factor and we have very purposely built all of these into what we do because we have the talents to do it. <coughs> Excuse me. Number one, just being a new church that has a mother church who fully owns responsibility for you increases factor of success by a large amount. Hmm. Number two, assessing church planters before you ever hire them to make sure they have a character to fit the calling and entrepreneurial giftings as a subset of their spiritual leadership. That's one of the greatest success factors versus fail. We insist on uh, assessment, and that's another story of how we do that. Number three, am I on number three? Yes, number three, uh, adequate funding is a huge success factor, just like in any startup business. Uh, We don't start until we have adequate funding. Number four, church planters who have a church planting coach succeed at a much higher rate than those who don't well we we have coaching built into our system aaron gibson is the coach of record for pastor terrell at u city i remain the coach of record for victor uh at el buen they're still in the startup phase and covid's going to make that a startup phase a little bit longer than planned so those are four factors that are massive uh a fifth factor i'll just tell you is is and this is part of our coaching content Church planters who teach biblical principles of stewardship and giving in the first year of their church plant, those churches grow faster mm-hmm. and succeed more than others because a lot of church planters shy away from that. So that's an example of something that in our coaching we hold a new pastor accountable for. That's, that's an example of coaching. So those are just five factors right there, which, which um, are one reason we've seen remarkable fruitfulness in our church plants. Our next one we're praying about right now. And I'm not committing, but because our podcast listeners are kind of first followers around Lake Forest. So I'm just going to tell you our church planting team, church multiplication team is praying and, and we throw out that unless the Holy Spirit does some major move, that that just by our vision, what we see, uh, and, and people asking us, quite frankly, to do this, probably the next Lake Forest family church would be planted somewhere in the, we call it the Mechbarris Corridor, uh, east or west of I-85, but Concord, co- probably Cabarrus County. So nice. um, there you have it. I, that's not a commitment. and, and um, It's a dream. The it's elders on that team dream. are not going to be happy that I said that out loud. But, um, yeah. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. Well, thank you guys for, um, thank you guys for joining us today and Lake Forest. Thank you guys for being a generous church so we can continue to be generous in planting. So. You keep using your talents where God's called you, but thank you for being part of our collective talents, including financial to see the kingdom of God move forward one church at a time. What a beautiful, joyful, fruitful thing that we're all a part of together. Talk to you next week. See you guys.